Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema for your free 30-day trial. Go to mubi.com slash filmstage. back ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the film stage show the movie review podcast for the filmstage.com as always i'm your host brian j rowan and with me today we have michael snydell hello what is up and um since michael's not gonna answer me what's what, up I, what, what is up is that i like that you picked that one instead of the brian adams one <laughs> Yeah, because it's a million times gonna, better. We're going to talk about Brian Adams, baby. Yes, we are. And um, you may have noticed, ladies and gentlemen at home, that we do not have Bill Graham in today. There was a scheduling conflict. So to fill his space, we have Dan DJ Mecca. <laughs> what up, dogs? How we doing? Doing great. How are you? <laughs> doing. Could not be better. Totally great day. <laughs> Excited to talk about this movie that got made, baby. Let's do it. And that movie is Her Smell, the newest odiously named film from writer-director Alex Ross Perry, a man who has brought you such wonderful, fun-loving podcasts as our review of The Color Wheel, Listen Up, Philip, and Queen of Earth. Yeah, get excited. Uh, before we get into our full review, the usual nonsense, find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Give us a comment and rating on iTunes, and of course, you can email us, podcast at filmstage.com, and of course, go to patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow in order to give as little as $1 an episode to help us create this show, and you will get access to our Slack channel, and you'll get first dibs on the raffles that we do. It's an all-around great thing that you can do to help us, and uh, you can get yourself some cool kickbacks as a result. In addition... We are brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema, where every day their curators bring you a brand new film to check out. And um, you have 30 days to watch, so that is a constantly rotating selection of 30 films that you can look at. What have we got going on, Mubi, now? First of all, I want to say Tape is on there, which we talked about last episode, and someone in our super cool Slack channel... Agreed with me that tape is a good movie. So suck on that, Michael. Well, let me tell you something. I love tape. All right. Tape is a great movie. And I saw it at a, at a young age and it was, it was starting to write and it was very informative. And I love, I've always loved Ethan Hawke since then. And yes, tape is very good. Yeah, man. Uma Thurman, Ethan Hawke. Robert Sean Leonard. Robert Sean Leonard. Before him and House were just running around solving medical say, crimes. Doctor, did you say medical crimes? Well, medical mysteries. mysteries. I don't yeah. know. What, what did he do on that show? I don't know. It was a mystery Medical show, crimes makes House sound way better. I know. Now I want to watch a show called Medical Crimes. So, ooh. It's got to be. new CSI. That's, that's kind of like CSI, but like, see, CSI is like, this man was shot. What I want is like, my, this my man. Sister. Yeah, we watched one episode of The Resident. And that was kind of like medical crimes. There's like crimes happening in that show. So, so I um, hit by a stethoscope or something. 
Yeah, there's like malfeasance and whatnot. You know, you get it. I watched uh, Royal Pains on Netflix. So now Netflix is like, maybe you'd like the night shift. And I was like, ooh, no. <laughs> nope. No, thanks. Anyway, back to movie. They've got uh, The Parallel Worlds of Olivier Asseas. So you can check out Demon Lover and Noise. And um, their What is an Auteur series is going on. They've still got By NWR, which again has Olga's House of Shame, which Michael said is a blue looking movie. So if you would like to check out all of these and more for a free 30 day subscription, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. But that is that. Now we are free to go into our feature review, which again is Her Smell, the newest film from writer-director Alex Ross Perry, previously of Golden Exits and Listen Up Philip and Queen of Earth. This movie is about a self-destructive punk rock star played by Elizabeth Olsen. Not Olsen. Moss. Whatever. <clears throat> played by Elizabeth Moss. Um, and uh, it charts a desperate and harrowing portion of her later career. This movie also stars Dan Stevens. I, I don't know if I can say podcast favorite because we like talking about him, but I don't know that most of it's been flattering. But it also has Cara yeah. Delevingne, and here is the trailer. It was Becky something. So that is the trailer for Her Smell, again starring Elizabeth Moss. Let us talk about it. Before we do that, I'm curious. I feel like anyone who's listened to this show for any amount of time knows how I feel about Alex Ross Perry. Um, but I don't think that either of you have ever been on for an ARP episode. So let's uh, see what you guys think. Dan Mecca, what are your, what are your roundabout all-around thoughts on the good old Ross Perry? All right. So ARP. Um, what are my thoughts? So, um, I've seen all but his first, which what is it called? Impolex, I believe, Impolex, right? yes. I have not seen that one, but I've seen all the others. And, um, I have basically generally enjoyed his films. I think there is an interesting worldview happening, uh, generally in his movies. Now, I, obviously, Brian, I know you feel differently. Uh, the one I like the most is Listen Up, Philip. That's the only one that I really that really has stuck with me. Um, uh, but um, yeah, generally, I think he's an interesting voice. I kind of I feel like I keep waiting for him to take a step to some degree as a filmmaker. I think this movie we can talk about it. He's certainly taking steps um in directions. Um so that's something, you know, that I think was inspiring in a way. Uh and then he's also written a couple movies that he did not direct. Uh Christopher Robin, the Disney movie from last year which I did not love. Um and he wrote a movie called Nostalgia which I actually reviewed for the film stage directed by Mark Pellington which is kind of a weird indie movie about tragedy and loss and you know very not you wouldn't you wouldn't 
think it was written by Alex Ross Perry to know his movies he's directed, right? But alas, and what Christopher Robin kind of weirdly feels like a movie Alex Ross Perry would write, I thought, in, in some ways. Um, but yeah, I'm vaguely positive on him at, at, you know, uh, at, as a whole. All right. Michael Snydell? Um, yeah. So uh, Alex Ross Perry is someone who I've heard about for years, and he's someone who um, I, I kept saying I was going to give a shot. Uh, I, I can remember whatever year Listen Up Philip came out, um, I rented it after seeing, you know, kind of rave reviews. And uh, I don't think I made it more than 10 minutes in and shut it off. Um, <laughs> and so over over the years, I just hadn't felt the need to catch up with them. But, I, you know, I, I am somewhat familiar definitely with – the style that he has you know he's kind of a highfalutin new york dramatist you know he he covers everything from you know something like a Whit stillman to a noah bomback to uh lena dunham to you know some of those smaller scenes you know things like thirst street and person a person and a lot of those uh kind of more um they have a very specific worldview, um, and it, it relates to a very specific type of people. Now, as far as the actual movies I've seen from him, um, I, I guess I'm like 50% on him because I've seen four of his movies. I absolutely hated Listen Up, Philip. I, I finally finished it. Uh, I really actually struggled through it earlier this week. Um, and then, uh, Queen of Earth, I watched last month and thought was a pretty tedious exercise. And, uh, then Golden Exits, I watched the other night and I thought that was a little bit better. And this one, I, I guess what I'll say about his worldview is I, I, I like to an extent some of the ways that he, it ex- tries to express these characters who believe that they're in a uh, in a good place until something unsticks them, and that is potentially an interesting idea to me. It's just that the actual dialogue and the way that these characters work is both really intentionally abrasive and mannered in a way that just doesn't feel rhythmic to me. I mean, I only mentioned Whit Stillman and he's someone I, I I really adore and I've had the chance to speak to him as well. Um, and he kind of speaks with that same, uh, same pattern. Uh, but this is just something where I have such a strong difficulty getting on its wavelength. Um, now I, I will say Golden Exit seems to get a little bit away from the style that I was seeing, and this gets even a little bit more. So I don't know necessarily that I'm on board with Alex Ross Perry, but I'm more on board with him than if he was doing things like Listen Up, Philip. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, I can't stand Alex Ross Perry films. I haven't liked a single one. What was your favorite? Yeah, that was my question. Don't you fucking dare do that to me. (laughs) No, no, really. That's a good question, Michael. What what has been your favorite? I haven't liked any of them. Like, like, to say favorite would mean that I enjoyed any part of at least one of them. If I had to watch another one again, 
give me one second to ponder this. Like, it's just... <laughs> all the time you need, babe. You take all the time you need, okay? Like, it's... They're so... I hate them so much. They're so interminable to me. I'm going to say the color wheel because it's the shortest one. That's a like, good pick. I, but I fucking hate that movie. I've hated all these movies. And here's the thing. I know that it may sound like I sometimes have fun trashing movies. If you listen to something like, oh, I don't know, our Jurassic World, the Fallen Kingdom thing. But that was fun. <laughs> that was Yeah, that was fun. But I don't enjoy watching bad movies. Like, I want a movie to be good. And I feel like, you know, fucking bite me once, shame on me. Bite me twice, shame on you or whatever. I think I have that backwards. There came I think a it's point. also fool me right but okay continue i was thinking about like petting a particularly mean dog but yeah so (laughs) fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me and so like after listen up philip i said hey guys i don't think i'm a good person to keep watching these movies if we want to talk about them maybe you should find someone else or maybe we should just never goddamn do it again and then we did, then we did, what was it? Queen of Earth? Because someone was like, oh, this one's really different from his other ones. I think you're going to like it. And now we're doing this one. And someone again was like, oh, this one's really different from his other ones. I think you're going to like it. I don't believe you. It's just not, I, he's just not for me. I'm not going to take it away from anyone who likes it. But it's just so not for me. And it's never been right. for me. And there's never been sure. even like, a thing that I could latch on to where I could say like, oh, if he just develops this aspect of himself, I think I could really turn the corner on him. It's just full stop, 100%, not in my wheelhouse, not something that now, I want to look at. Now, like, Brian, have you seen Christopher Robin? I have not. No, I purposefully avoided it because I knew that he wrote it. And despite how charming it looked and how much I love both Ewan McGregor and The Hundred Acre Wood, I did not want to see it. I think I would be curious. I mean, obviously, I think all of our listeners would be. This has become a running <laughs> brand. And I think in your hate, we've found a kind of X factor and something that we can always look forward to as the <laughs> next Alex Rocks Perry's uh, movies come out. Um, People so legitimately tweet at me more about Alex Ross Perry than they do about Terrence Malick. <laughs> That's eh, well, I mean, hey. We've got to talk about something. And here we are talking about ARP and female bands. Let's do it. Yeah. Every time you say ARP, I think you're saying AARP and I get confused. First of all, unions of older people <laughs> are just the worst. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. So like, yeah, it, like honestly, like I, you like to go back to the question of favorite. Sure. I don't know. Like, it may just be the color wheel just because, like, I really did truly hate all the other ones. And this one, at least, I was like, maybe it's going to turn a corner. Maybe it's going to turn a corner. Maybe it's going to turn a corner. And all the ones since then, I've been like, this is the guy who made the color wheel. Right. This is the guy who made Listen You're Up less, less hopeful. Yeah. Right. We all have those. We all have those people. I, I mean, for me, I think it's honestly, at this point, it might be Steve McQueen for me. Like, it, that's that just might be who it is. So I You're well for his, for his mishandling of Chicago politics alone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's this, the only thing. This you're is the widow's about. crew, guys. This is the widow's crew. D- Dan, say something unpopular. A, a, a director who a is director beloved. Who, a, a director who I don't love. Ooh, yeah. that's a 
Good question. Um, I, I might have to mosey on that for a minute. Um, oh, interesting. Mosey? <laughs> mosey on it, like mosey, like think about it. Um, I don't think you're putting in a position that Brian was just in. A good director who I'm just kind of well, you know what? I'll tell you this. How about this? Um, Wes Anderson, and I feel like this is an easy answer, though I do enjoy his films. Uh, I've enjoyed some of his films. Um, he is somebody in the canon of filmmaking, right? If I'm ranking the people that I love, he's not even close to the list, right? It just, I don't engage with his movies in the same way other people do. I think the only one that came close truly in terms of lasting impression was the Darjeeling Limited. Um, and wow. everything else, and I know that's one that's not even you know beloved. I understand, but yeah, that's uh, a weird, you know, you know, I, Bottle Rocket. Oh, well, Bottle Rocket too, because it's just such a great story along with the actual movie itself, um, and it feels very pure, you know, in, in a lot of ways. Hmm. But um, not that I don't like his movies. I'm caveating a lot, but it's he's just not someone who I'm like ever going to tell you is a must watch director. Though I see the merits. I, for me, they don't stick as much as a many other filmmakers interesting i'll I'll accept that despite the many qualifiers yeah i'm gonna while you guys i'm gonna look i'm gonna pull up a filmmaker can we actually just turn this into an episode where we finally talk about widows and not just like chicago politics no because we talked about it and you're insane you have this idea that we we talked about chicago chicago politics for 90 minutes and that we like we talked about it for like a few minutes. You, no, you there was like, a point at which yeah, I said, like, we need to end this oh and we have God. not talked about this movie at all. And I believe you re- just loved it and you just were so bummed because you couldn't talk about it. And I liked it, too, but you couldn't talk about all the like every single. Couldn't talk about literally part. any of it. Oh, stop it. Oh please. We're, we're, we're bringing out all the ghosts. We're fucking pulling the skeletons out of the closet. Let's on talk this about DC versus Marvel. Two. Let's do it all. Bring it all back. All the, the thing is, I think I've swung to your side. I think the DC movies are much more interesting. I know. See, it feels yeah, good. Yeah, I think they're interesting, but not better. <laughs> yeah, but like <laughs> if, if you were to say to me tomorrow, you can watch another DC movie, like a new one, or you can watch a new Marvel movie. I'd be like, give me that sweet, sweet DC craziness. Aquaman's fun. I, I haven't seen it yet. Aquaman. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed Aquaman. There's a lot of weird stuff going on in Aquaman. Okay. To get away from, I know we're delaying a little bit, but I should get, let's get a little smelly. We should get some, we should get smelly soon. All right. So we're we're going to get some stank on us. Um, (laughs) Wait, let Michael, go ahead, Michael, throw that stank. I do think one thing that we find difficult to talk about because it is sometimes a conversation ender, but I nonetheless think it's something that doesn't come up that much is when things aren't for us and when we think they're bad. And like, obviously there's overlap there, but there's just as much times, uh, just as many times when there's not overlap. So I just, I'm realizing that as we're talking about this, that this is, this is a somewhat rare thing for us to get into on the podcast. Okay. I am. So here's the thing. Like I, I remember watching camera person and saying like, this is not for me. I got nothing out of it. I had very little to say that episode, but I couldn't say it was a bad movie because it was clearly affecting certain people in a certain way. And I could feel what it was trying to do, but it just didn't work for me. But like, I wasn't sitting there going like, who read this script and thought that this was a worthy exercise? Like who <laughs> gave these people money 
And camera person is a terrible uh, example to use because it, it didn't involve any of that stuff. Um, <laughs> I want to see that money. script. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, you know, I've had my moments where I'm like, eh, eh, I don't know. It's not for me, whatever. But like, here's the thing. I fucking literally hate this movie. Like, this movie sucks. Like, and I've said that about all of his movies. But at this point, it's just to the point where I can't just keep saying that. And there must be something about him that makes me feel that way. And I just have to buckle down and realize that, like, he's never going to make a movie that speaks to me. I'm never going to like it. So, like, I start off with the it's not right. for me. We all know it's not for me. Caveat, but like, right. If we were to get into it, it wouldn't be a camera person thing where I could say, I think I could see the value, blah, blah, blah. I'm just this is not working on me like this movie is the fucking worst and I hated every second sitting through it well hey real quick let me interrupt with a good answer to the filmmaker question because okay, I've been looking at a list John Ford is somebody wow. okay. who I just don't really engage with as it like as an entertainment experience I've seen a few and I understand the significance of his work but um you know his movies have aged poorly, sociopolitically, of course, uh, you know, just to begin. And also just generally, you know, if, if, if we're picking great directors from the, you know, the you know, early to mid 1900s, I'm going to go with uh, a few, a few ahead of him. So, yeah, he, that would be one I would pick. Film Twitter is definitely going to cancel you, Dan, but that's okay. I was going to say Orson Welles hey, just to see what happens. No, I love Orson Welles. <laughs> love Orson Welles. I think Wells. I've only really liked, I don't know, Citizen Kane. Right. I mean, Lars, I'm looking at this list like Lars von Trier is another one. I love like, I, you know, I really like Dogville. I really like Dancer in the Dark, but then it's like Melancholia. I struggle with Manderley, Melancholia I struggle with, Antichrist I struggle with. Right. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm mixed, I suppose, but. But see, that's yeah. the, what's the weird thing is that like there has not been a single instant of a second of watching an Alex Ross Perry film that I have enjoyed. So like the fact that on any given director, you can say, you know, I like one movie by this person. That's like infinitely more enjoyment than I have ever wrung out of an Alex Ross Perry film. Well, but also to be fair, it's not like Alex Ross Perry is at this level that we're talking about, you yes. know. You know, it's not like, I mean, he's more of like a Wayne Wang or like, you know what I mean? Somebody who's, mm. uh, you know, working and making, you know, watched work that's well reviewed, but I don't know that he's yet in some upper echelon, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I can't wait till him, I can't wait till he gets in that upper echelon and then you have to just deal with that for the rest of your life. Which Marvel <laughs> property do you think they're going to hang hand to him? um that's a great question what's left i don't know what are what are the other superheroes i literally can't name a marvel character that hasn't already had a movie made about them so i'm the worst person virginia madsen i mean this is dc but i think virginia madsen is in that swamp thing show that's on the dc you know channel or whatever so just bringing it back to her smell virginia madsen in her smell plays the mother yeah so there you go that's that's something that is something. Um, so we're 23 minutes in. Um, I guess All we right. should talk about this movie. Yeah, so let's, let's, uh, let's do the basics, you know, the nutshell thoughts. Dan Mecca, what were your thoughts on Her Smell? Um, hell of a lead performance. Um, interestingly shot, though, I, was a, I got a little lost in it. 
um, it's choppy on purpose. I feel, which I guess I suppose I understand for those, you know, for the, the bulk of the movie is obviously basically in green rooms and, and I can understand the chaotic nature, the cameras matching the chaos to some degree. Uh, though I felt sometimes it was lacking, um, though, you know, Sean Price Williams is an amazing cinematographer. Uh, ultimately I think the edit was a little all over the place. Um, and then, yeah, the script, I think, is kind of where it falls apart for me a little bit. Um, I don't – I was not – when the movie got where it was going, I ultimately kind of was felt very detached from it. Whereas at the beginning, when you're in it with Elizabeth Moss, with Becky something, her band, her drama, I was engaged. Her and smell. And the further – her smell – and it does feel like she's very smelly. I will say the title feels right. When you watch the movie, you go, that person has to smell bad. You're really charting the odor of her throughout the movie. Yes. And I think Moss does a great job in, you know, in oozing that odor. Like, I, I mean, all joking aside, I think she physically is bringing a lot to the table. And, of course, you know, Queen of Earth, she's in, you know, doing – and now uh, Elizabeth Phillip as well, doing um, a lot of a lot of good work in my opinion. But, yeah, ultimately by the time we got to the end, I kind of was like, okay, you know, you know, very much, you know, I'm happy to have seen it. I don't know that it changed the world for me, you know, and the further along I got, the less I cared. All right, Michael Snydell. Yeah, I had a little bit of uh, an opposite experience in the sense that I did find the kind of like bracing camera work uh, difficult in a way that I expected, but also kind of irritating. But as, as it kind of kept going along, I did uh, ultimately feel that it became rewarding. I, I think yeah, I will say that you would have asked me about this a week ago. I'd be more positive about it than I am right now. I actually just rewatched it uh, this evening. And uh, I, I do think that the script is is too dense for its own good, which is something that I can generally say for Alex Ross Perry's stuff. I, I, and I do like that Moss's – you know, Moss, her dialogue made sense to me, her grand proclamations and her bizarre – uh, sides that become gibberish and at times sound like nursery rhymes and at, at times are just uh, just it's a very bizarre kind of demonic performance and, and I think there's likewise kind of a very interesting energy to the rest of the film that uh, then kind of transitions into something uh, more interesting and more communal especially given how irritating and grating it is early on. Um, I, I also think that I, I think that, it, that my problem with a lot of um, Perry's scripts is that he often underlines his own thesis, even including it in the narration in a way that is meant to break it open or offer like a more inter intimate, like adjacent way in. And th that is kind of here as well. And it is, uh, it's a little neater than I'd like, but what I would say is that the overall arc, uh, did work for me. And I also just want to say that, uh, I thought Agnes Din's, uh, performance who I hadn't seen since, uh, since Sunset Song, so it's good to see her um, 
was uh, very good. And this is probably the, all the positive things that are going to be said for the next uh, five minutes. So I am ceding my time over to Brian now. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I just didn't like it. It's not a good movie. I, um, you know, I just like, what can I say? There was a point because I was watching it on a screener. Where I was like, all right, I am close to the end. I want a drink. I'm going to pause this movie and get a drink. <laughs> and I paused it, and it was 56 minutes in. And <laughs> it's a two-hour and 15-minute movie. And I, it is it is long, right? I mean, two hours and 15 minutes, baby. That is... It's it's long. And and the first th- is Bill three... Acts? I mean, hey, me and Bill share the same awareness. <laughs> oh no! Oh, yeah, we've talked. I feel like we've talked about this. I think we have. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I'm, hey, no, hey I, give, give me run, Lola, run. Eighty-one minutes. Thank I, you, Mister President. I'm just saying, Brian. Sorry. The, I so got it, you. Sorry, it's, Brian. It's a movie in like five acts. I want to say yes. It is five. So five it's, it's the, here's the structure. It's Steve Jobs. Um. It's five different acts at five different points in this person's career, and they're all done in, like, real time. So it's it's Steve Jobs. Uh, but without Aaron Sorkin's snappy but reductive writing to keep it going, and without the basic interest of, oh, that's Steve Jobs. <laughs> like, and I just, like, the first three acts are all so gratingly, punishingly similar that I just like by the time we got to like the tonal shift and they like lock the camera down and like I don't know stop with like the weird thumping and humming in the background I was just like over it I was exhausted you know when the movie opens with like them going back on a stage for an encore and then coming into the back and her just like smoking and drinking and like screaming at people and like being followed around by some weird shaman and like trying to kill her baby and like attacking her friends and being an asshole to Dan Stevens. I'm just like, okay, good. I hope we like, I'm glad that we've started here so we can get over it and stop like just lavishing ourselves in these cliches and move on to whatever this movie's going to do. But it doesn't do that. It sticks with it. And then the weirdest part is that, like, the thing that I was sort of hoping for was, like, maybe this will go somewhere that you're not expecting. But it goes in the shittiest, most cotton candy, basic, safe direction that it can. So I couldn't even... Look forward to, like, a Queen of Earth-style ending with, like, the weirdness and the stupidness of that. Like, instead, I just got this, and I was just furious the whole way through. I was tired. I was defeated. And I just don't... I can't ever do this again. And I know that I've said that before, but, like, I really can't. I just... This is the bit, dude. This is the bit. You're, you're, I love it. You're saying you can't do it again. You'll be back. For the next one. The like, only time great. the only time that me saying I can't do this again has ever worked is with The Hobbit. Which I realized. Because we watched the first Hobbit and I just said on mic, I was like, I'm never going to watch the other two of these. And we never had to. 
The second one's better. <laughs> You'll fuck yourself. That doesn't mean anything. Well, Brian, let me ask you a You want to get punched in the mouth? It's better than getting shot in the chest. And it's like, well, yeah, but I still wouldn't choose them if there were other less unpleasant options. Brian, so question yes. is, when? so you don't like these movies. Obviously, that's well established. Correct. When you're watching them, though, are you appreciating, like, are you watching Eric Stoltz and saying to yourself, he's doing a lot of good work here or you just you you don't think he is you just think he's lost in in a project you don't care about that is a great question because i was uh, there was a moment where i was like i think i am enjoying the sound mix like i think i like how i can hear the other band playing through the walls i can hear the dripping from the ceiling and that was like it as far as like me getting good thoughts going like eric stoltz is interesting but there's a legitimate part of me where i was like i don't know why this guy is dealing with this shit like he's talking about like all that he's lost personally trying to get this stupid fucking band to just play a performance and record like an ep and he was wearing an ascot for the first act (laughs) which was a choice you know and i was like yeah looking at that and i was like Man, this is like he like. Uh, do you think they wanted people to know he was like a manager? Like, do you think that was the choice there? So like, I and when I saw him, I was like, oh shit, it's Eric Stoltz. But like, I just like there was not there. It's really hard for me in a movie like this that like to to do the to like latch on to like a single good thing, which is a rarity for me because usually I can do that. But there is something about the completeness of my disinterest and dislike of ARP films that I'm just like, I can't do any of this. And I can't right. appreciate the the performance Moss is putting on because it feels like very strident and one note. And until it's not, until it completely switches gears, which is fine. But like, there's not... A lot of reason for me to want to stick around. <laughs> like, if I didn't have to do this podcast, I would have stopped. Right. And, and as I was laying on the couch with the movie paused and the visions of orange juice playing in my head and then deciding that it would be better if I cleaned the kitchen and vacuumed my floors now instead of waiting until after the movie. Like, I just kept thinking to myself, like... Can I not? Like, is there a way to get out of this? Because, like, it's not fun, and I don't see anything that happens as changing my mind on it. And wouldn't it be more honest to just say, I stopped, and I never want to finish, but I did, and here I am. So, let me explain the interesting way that I watch this movie. So... This just it's weirdly connects with what the movie's about, kind of. So your best friend Alex um, Ross Perry came over. Yeah, me and Alex, we sat down and he put it in the you know in the film he brought over an actual canister of film and no. Um, So we're probably not getting him on the podcast anymore, are we? (laughs) No, I think no, I don't know. I feel like he's somebody who would maybe be interesting and interested in having a conversation with somebody who truly didn't like his movies about like the mechanics of it. I'm. You know, obviously assuming things here, but I, that would be such an interesting uh, podcast. I'm not saying he's a hack. You know, like, I don't think we'll ever have. 
a hack on here. I was trying to think of a person's name and I just, I don't even want to go there. Like, I think that he's doing what he wants to do. I you think just disagree with every choice he makes, basically. I, yeah, I think he's proud of these movies. I, he gets results. Like, people have lauded his filmmaking. Like, he had a retrospective at some place that Danny was talking about once. And I I just, like, you know, I'm not saying, like, this motherfucker, he's not Uwe Boll, you know? Like, he's not, doesn't know where to put the camera, the sound mix is shit, and, like, he's using you know, mailroom people to fill in key parts because he can't convince anyone to be in his movies. Like there's something there that people can see, but I am not one of them. Right. You know? So like, it's it's not like I'm insulting him and wishing him the worst of luck. Like if he keeps sure. making movies, that's fine with me. I don't think cinema is going to be enter- any poorer for it. I just don't want to watch them. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll just... keep making you watch them. And that's why this will be so fun forever. And then you'll, Go to hell, and it'll just be Alex Ross Perry movies for the rest forever and ever and ever. And again, that's a movie.com offer code Hell Loop. It'll just be like or Purgatory. Let's say Purgatory, okay? Let's Brian, you're a fine person. Let's say Purgatory. You go to Purgatory, and it's just Alex Ross Perry movies, just on a loop. But maybe you grow to like them. There's a long trajectory here that could all work out. Um, no, but so I. For my day job, I'm a producer, I whatever, commercials and whatnot. So I was in New York yesterday, and late later on in the night, I met up with a client, part of the job, right? Went out for drinks, whatnot. That client had been to a concert, and I was meeting up with that this person after the concert, and we ended up meeting with the band at a bar later. And like one of these kind of weird New York bars that they don't look like they're real and then almost like a place that they would go in this movie. And then um, we would just heard stories about this band and the lead guy and his things that he would request and this and that. And, you know, while getting drunk and then I came back and I watched this movie. And so my point is simply when you. The movie does a good job of exploring that world that is – I mean this stuff may seem insane, but truly in that industry, there are people who who command that type of yes people around them and those people like string it on for longer than you could ever imagine, right? But and I'm not, I'm, not that... saying it's, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I, you know, the movie does explore this very real – you know, element in our society, you know, um, whether you're, whether it's actors or directors, musicians, what have you. Right. And, you know, and it's not just creative people, obviously, right. It's hedge funds managers and, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's financial people. First whatever. of all, how dare you slander the hedge fund managers of this world by saying that they're not creative. What do you think called the caused the housing I, collapse? I'm just thinking about my guy. <laughs> I'm just thinking about my guy Bobby Billions on the show Billions. You know? Oh right, Bobby Billions. Bobby Billions. Um, Wait, is that his name? No, it's Uh-oh. not. Okay. Didn't we do right. this the last time that Dan was on? <laughs> no, never mind. All right, continue. Just his name is like Axe, isn't it? Yeah, Bobby Axelrod. All right, Billions. <laughs> and no, um, not I think at all. I, What's funny, Brian, is your criticisms I generally kind of agree with. You know what I mean? I think you're uh, basically right in what you're saying where it does get exhausting and it's hard to pin – like who are we rooting for in this movie? You know, are we rooting for Becky something, right? This lead singer of this – you know, this very popular – 
I don't know, like a whole like band, kind of like a Courtney Love thing to some degree, right? Like, you know, it's hard maybe to even root. less power, maybe even less popular than Hole, though. I guess so, right? Maybe, maybe a little like garbage. like an opener for Hole, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, they say I mean, that they do she used to seven, successful, but they said but, that she used to sell out stadiums. So, like, right, right. I think that was another weird thing. I feel like the the level of it. It was a little confusing, but I suppose that can be forgiven. But and then the other part of it is, I think, you know, we've talked about people being tired on screen before and how that's for me that I feel like is so, so fascinating to watch. I do think there are moments where the exhaustion that Elizabeth Moss is portraying and also the other characters, including Agnes Dean, right, where it's like, you know, um, she's amazing in as well. There are moments that are very memorable. Um, but, yeah, I I. I I don't think it bothered me obviously as much as it bothered you, Brian. But I see exactly where you're coming from. At a certain point in this movie, I was also like, "Oof, okay, maybe this is enough, right?" Which I think partly is maybe what Alex Ross Perry was trying to achieve. So, right there's there's a fine line between like because you sometimes you want people to feel the exhaustion, you know, like you want them to be like, "Oh, okay, like this isn't fun anymore." But like usually, like in something such as Requiem for a Dream. You know, you see those fast cuts of the people getting high and then like talking and having a good time. But then like sooner or later, you see those fast cuts and like it doesn't do anything for you anymore. And that reflects how like listless they are because instead of having fun, now they're doing drugs because they need it. And like, I don't know, we never see any moment where it's fun in this movie. So there's very little to keep me on board when i'm just like why the fuck is this still happening like why are people still putting up with this like this is a wreck of a human being and the fact that anyone would be tied to this sinking ship without any kind of vision into the successful times beyond these like cute little interstitials that they sometimes do is just really it like makes me lose myself and and I understand, like, the concept of the yes-men and everything and the people backstage, like, but I can understand that for the hangers-ons, for the shaman. Like, that shaman's never going to get a better job in his life because he's hanging out with a bunch of rock stars and he's probably getting paid pretty well for it, Um, putting hexes on her ex-husband's new wife. But, like, the manager's got a goddamn company to run and he just feels like he he should have cut and run a lot earlier like he's allowing her to jeopardize even his new business and i don't know like it's it's just a lot to deal with and to endure again for an ending that like doesn't really justify the amount of shit that i had to go through to get to it because it didn't seem particularly powerful or resonant or revelatory or or anything really to me Would anyone like to say anything? I don't know. You know, it's 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 a little bit. <laughs> it's a little bit funny. No, I, I I don't know. I I did. I guess I didn't find it as. I don't know. I I didn't find the it, it every second to be as miserable as Brian. So I guess well, if I, I was doing that, I no, 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 no. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Is I'm just saying like I wasn't feeling. I wasn't feeling what I felt during Listen Up, Philip. Let me put it that way. Like Listen Up, Philip. I can legitimately say that I checked how far I was nearly every five minutes. 
I I did that having a screener. It's a really bad habit I have. I like looking at how far I am in a movie. <laughs> um, I checked about every 45 minutes. And, um, and the thing is, I feel like if I'd been in the theater, I would have cut out even earlier. Like No, I, no, I know. I, I, I also, I guess I just don't see i i felt that the different settings were offering a different way to look at this like i I think especially that first one is more one note than than the second one and i I don't know i i don't know brian like i i guess i i feel I'm not I'm not gonna convince you and I don't really necessarily want to convince you, <laughs> but I almost don't know how much energy to exert trying to defend this movie when it's not like it's not like it's an underdog. <laughs> like a lot of people like this movie. And that's the um, thing, like you don't have to direct any of your positive vibes yeah. in my direction. You can put them towards the listeners and I'll just hang back and I won't say anything. No, I know. I I, I know. I but I do also think that there is something I, I was, especially this second viewing, thinking a little bit more about films that are so performatively showy like this. And like one that came to mind that lo and behold, I actually really don't like is Birdman. And there are some similarities between this and Birdman. Uh, similarly, you already mentioned Requiem for a Dream. I really don't like Requiem for a Dream. So I, I do find it fascinating and also frustrating the more I try to dissect the visual choices in this, the more they're kind of coming up hollow, the more I talk about them. Like there's something about this film that, and this isn't me, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but there's something that with further, as I continue to reflect on it, over the past week, like it doesn't sit particularly well to me when a movie needs to present itself in such a, uh, in such an aggressive way. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just something that, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There, there is something very try hard uh, about it at the end of the day. Yeah. Like her, 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 breakdown is so loud constantly and uh, you know it it may be unfair to think of it in terms like this but like you know in the last year we've gotten a star is born we've gotten vox lux you know i'll take this over a vox lux any day i know we'll disagree craziest goddamn thing i've ever heard (laughs) so there's two things first like oh, we have seen people stars break down in interesting ways in the last year, like Jackson Maine's rampant alcoholism and pill abuse that I didn't rarely... think that was interesting. I'm sorry. I didn't think that was interesting though. I found I really... it interesting through its verisimilitude and its understatedness. Like, okay. So to see Elizabeth Moss acting like an SNL sketch of like a crazy rock star juxtaposed against bradley cooper who gave like a thoroughly understated performance of like a broken down machine that was just kind of sputtering to a stop like i found his quietude a lot more interesting than her in your face like poochie-esque attitude and and to the other point like 
both her smell and Vox Lux could be accused of being very pretentious, ponderous, like try hard exercises. But I think that there is a, a humor to the way that Vox Lux treats its characters and its entire story, uh, most readily evinced by the Willem Dafoe narration, that undercuts that serious enough so that you know that the characters are feeling the things that they're feeling and are acting this way, but that the movie is aware of the, the insanity of it. And this movie is just like... It's not that. It doesn't have any of the self-awareness. It doesn't have any of the other mitigating factors that, that give any kind of, of a latch to hold on to while it's spinning so wildly. One wh- one thing that I thought was interesting uh, with this, with her smell, is that I think directorially it's, I, it's the best Alex Ross Perry's been in a lot of ways. Like visually, directorially, in decisions he's making, expanding his, you know expanding the way he's making movies but then from a screenplay scenario it was one of his i think least successful so i for me i felt that was kind of where that was interesting to watch where i think it feels like he's um taking steps forward as a director where the writing is not uh keeping pace so i thought that was something that kind of, and I have not seen Vox Lux, uh, which I, I meant to watch before this, uh, and I and I plan to watch soon. Um, but I do, uh, Brian, agree with you in regards to A Star Is Born. Excellent. Well, I think I think the thing that is, I mean, if we just really want to talk about uh, Ross Perry, I mean, how his visual style has changed. I mean, even from Golden Exits to this, which is. I think Golden Nexus is literally his last movie, uh, his last directed, uh, written directed movie. And that is, you know, that's kind of more Romare. It's, you know, it uh, the editing style is fade to black. It's very placid and sedate. And and this is, you know, the, the complete opposite. So it, it, I, I do think that there are... I, I don't think it's fair to say that there's not nuance or that this is an SNL sketch in t- terms of either Moss's performance or the self-destruction. I, I think loudness is something that can't be denied. Like I, I think there is a loudness to this entire movie, even in its quietest moments. Like, but that being said, I I do think that specifically the way the people around Moss react to her and the ways that they've been dealing with this routine and have dealt with a, you know, a past, a present, and maybe a future with this woman, I did find that uh, continually interesting. And, you know, like, you know, it feels lazy to compare it to, you know, Courtney Love or, you know, one of the poster childs for or children for, you know, that destructive rock star mentality. But I, I don't think it's as easy as saying that, you know, Bradley Cooper, who who I 
hold on. I'm trying to think of objectively what I want to say as opposed to subjectively. I, I think Bradley Cooper's vision of alcoholism and self-destruction is very much at the other side of the spectrum. And I think it's too easy to dismiss how how off the rails this is. That that's that's what I will say. Mecca, any thoughts? No, I mean I, I think it's a good point. I think I think um I like how we're uh, all kind of coming at it from different angles. You know, I well, I'm basically right in the middle, you know, and I think it does speak to I don't know. I think in a way it's a compliment to the type of movies trying to make, you know, and I think, I think it's meant to elicit a response, you know? Um, and so if he's doing that, I think he's doing his job to some degree. So I think, you know, and obviously, you know, he's still working in a smaller corner of, of, of film fandom. Right. I mean, that's the other part of it. It's like, he's, purposefully making movies you know i guess i suppose not unlike a not unlike a vox lux you know brady corbet you know though i have not seen it as i understand it a movie where it's gonna push a lot of people over the edge for, for its content um and you know certain scenes and whatnot so i think i'm certainly happy this movie exists and like you're saying brian i'm certainly happy you know that this guy's making movies um you know, this one, I think if you can roll with Elizabeth Moss's performance, you know, you can get into it. I guess, I, you know, the thing I want to talk about where it kind of lost me, save one uh, scene I loved, uh, it would be spoilery. I mean, this isn't, I feel like, not a crazy spoiler type of a movie, but um, I don't want to jump into that until we, I suppose, give the warning. But Yeah, we can just do that now. Um, we've been talking for, I don't know, close to an hour. Sure. So yeah, I'm, right. I'm down to going to spoilers. I feel like people have gotten a pretty good idea of our thoughts on this movie thus yeah. far. Cool. So go yeah. ahead. All right. So yeah, for me, the then and I felt it when I was watching it. You know, the minute uh, we cut to black and then she's in her, you know, her house, and it's clear years have passed, and she's trying to be sober. I I kind I was like, oh. Okay, so the rest of this movie is going to be this, like, is going to be the road to redemption to some degree. Yeah. And I just, I, I guess I wasn't expecting it. Um, and I don't, I mean, here's the deal. I don't know that, I don't know that I could have handled two hours and 15 minutes of the first hour of this either. But I'll be honest, if you give me an 85 minute, let's watch this house burn down. And and have interstitials of another time, right? With those, you know, that you know that other camera cutting in, right? From from you know when the band was coming up, so climax, <laughs> right? Which yeah, I mean, I I think I'm way more engaged because I do think through the first bit, and you know, and like I like I said, I basically like this movie, but through that first bit, I was enjoying the ride. Um, and then once it becomes, and Brian, you kind of alluded to this before, once it becomes this road to, is she going to make it back? I was like, Oh, I don't, this is not, this is not that interesting to me. Right. Because it's something that feels very standard in a movie that is clearly trying to explore 
you know, the movie's exploring like the depths of hell of, of like what this type of a thing can do to a person, right? Like past traumas mixed with people never saying no, mixed with drug use, mixed with, you know, fraught relationships and, you know, you know, uh, choosing the worst possible thing to, to say, you know, at the worst possible time and whatnot. And then it becomes a movie that that's that's obvious. That's literally the the you know the other side of that, and it's just not as interesting. Now that being said, the scene where she sings Brian Adams to her daughter on the piano, I loved. I thought that was the best five minutes of the I movie. I should have been now, a sucker for that. I fucking yeah. couldn't stand it. I was like, we're gonna get this yeah. whole goddamn song, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I I loved that whole scene i loved how he doesn't cut you know i loved how it's rough right i loved how the that that the kid actress who's playing the daughter it feels very natural literally feels like she's reacting to it awkwardly which is the way a kid would react to it like they like that their mom is singing the song but they're also a little confused because their mom's sad and this is the craziest thing bad i have i have no way to defend this but i think that child's performance was terrible me too that was really? the, during, during that scene you did oh fuck yeah yeah dude but so was, i felt but you what would the child like what would you have that that character be doing instead in that scene that no that, get a different actress <laughs> no 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 but i mean so you get so a here, different actress but what are they like what that's interesting that, i think that, that that okay so like obviously i only have a like a nearly three-year-old to go off of but like when I do something that is requested of me by my child, that child is wrapped with attention and is very happy that, like, they got their way. And if it's something that, like, uh, you know, I am not a singer. <laughs> you know, my child doesn't connect me with being a singer. But I would think that there would be some level of of interest and and, like, happiness. And that kid looks like... You know, their mom is getting her teeth cleaned and this poor kid's been left in the waiting room, like just trying not to move, trying not to do anything wrong. It was a bit. And again, it's a child. I mean, she doesn't know her mother, though. That's right. Then why ask her to sing? (laughs) Because she's pulling out whatever she can. Right. And if she doesn't know her mother and if she just got her to sing again, you'd think there'd be some level of this child looking like really excited that she's getting a glimpse at her ma the way that like maybe she used to know her or could know her or or you know look a little like oh i asked for this but i don't really want it like ooh, i didn't think it would be this way but like that kid just is like i can almost feel that child actor being like now remember your mother said she would feed you to the alligators (laughs) if you moved during this take Can I just say that I love that on this podcast we are ripping to shit the performance of like some poor six year old. Meanwhile, has her sack hard, pants in, half tartly, trying to doing her best to try to make it up. Showbiz parents probably, just, and we're just like this fucking performance was atrocious. I could talk about uh, Bradley Cooper's game. performance if you want me to. That's Here's a different movie, Brian. <laughs> I, that was Michael. Michael. Um, I, I here's the thing, though. We just recently talked about an infant's brilliant performance in High Life. Yes. So that that makes it all right. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's how that works. <laughs> yeah, that's totally how that okay. works, right? 
I will say one thing, one thing also in the back half of her smell that I did not love was the way they portrayed Chicago politics. I thought was, you know, with the alderman and I just didn't feel like it really came together in any sort of way. But, um, you know, I did love that one Brian Adams scene. So. God damn it. <laughs> and then, you know, look, and then the last thing I guess I'd say, you know, in this spoilers thing is I did really like the tension at the end of the movie where Eric Stoltz and everybody around, you know, you know, everybody else, right? Dan Stevens, who's the He's the ex-husband, who, the father of the, of the child that we're saying is terrible at acting, and uh, <laughs> Virginia Madsen, who is Becky Something's mother, and Amber Heard's in this movie, who plays like a pop star who I, I, I guess came up with Becky and became a quote-unquote traitor to some degree, and then you know Cara Delvane and um, uh, Ashley I Benson. Ashley Benson. Ashley Benson. I Galula, do. Yeah, I do like the. I was inherent- about to say Galula is great in uh, Kimmy Schmidt, and I heard her voice in this, and I was like, "Oh shit, it's Santhippe." Princess Sid is in this too, for yeah. like two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but I did like how when you're in that situation with somebody who has had this harried past with drugs and addiction, you're walking on eggshells all the time right and and you're and you're so worried about it can she do this and you know you know Stoltz is did you know what what was i thinking did i make a mistake that that captured those captured moments were worked and then ultimately i were kind of undone by the final few scenes which didn't they just didn't live up which Brian, you said before, they just didn't live up to the whole thing. So I feel mm-hmm. like if they stuck the landing for me, who basically enjoyed a lot of the movie, I would have really bought in, you know. And it just didn't come together like I wanted it to at the end there. Though I did enjoy that tension in those moments right towards the end. So, well, I think the thing for me is that I, I guess I didn't quite view this uh rehabilitation arc in the same way as as you two i i don't think this is quite the same as something like uh, a star is born or something because i feel like we do see that you know even as uh, not only does her daughter not really know her and, and you know you get that you get that with the conversation with dan stevens where uh shoot i forgot what the exact uh conversation goes but it's something uh, it's something like where he literally says she doesn't really know you, but there's just a, I, I did like how much that the, you know, after the smoke is cleared from the destruction, how much is irreparable or they're talking about the baker's dozen of, you know, lawsuits that she has to deal with. Like there are, it, it's not really, the arc of her getting sober like she's sober when we see her there and when mari comes in like and she plays her the demo like like those scenes struck me differently than this story is usually told in part because i think that the friendship as fraught as it is between uh, Becky and Allie and uh, uh, 
uh, and Marielle is is something that that comes to the forefront and does become its own force. So, like, just to put it put a ribbon or put a bow on this, excuse me, um, to bring it back to those last few scenes, um, that communal energy made sense to me as as the final thing to have, like, because it, it became about this this friendship that is ultimately terrible but also stands throughout this and these people who didn't seem like they liked each other that much but also realize that they've been in each other's life long enough and i feel like you even got that with with howard's uh howard's um short speech before they played where he's something like oh it's uh, it's been 10 or 11 years since i've seen that and there's even like a certain sense of like uh, a little uh, a, a little sense of just like sadness and in that speech that i was detecting like a like a sense that he's never going to get these years back and that he still has a lawsuit against becky and that None of these things are really solved, but all of these people are here at this moment and this moment is fine. So how essentially ephemeral that moment was and how like fragile yeah. is what ultimately made it feel different to me. Now, granted, if we're, if we're coming at it with, with the baggage, I understand that you could say that you know it doesn't ultimately it doesn't ultimately earn that or whatever you want to say but i'm but i'm just trying to i'm just saying i, I saw it a little no, bit no i think that's way. yeah that's a good that, that's a good way to look at it and i think thinking about it that way and watching it that way does does add credence to, to that ending i guess yeah i mean I, I i think what you're saying is definitely um Right, you know, in terms of that's that's that feels like the intention. And when you say right, she is sober when we when we catch her in that back half. I suppose part of the problem is it. I just it, what you just said sounded more interesting than what I watched. Yeah. Okay, you know, and and I think I see when you say it, the intention inherent in the frames and the performances. I just wish it came through and perhaps that's never really fully, you know, maybe we never really fully get to know enough of the people around Becky to some degree to a point where I do feel we get to know, you know, those core three members of the band, of course. Sure. You know, which I think to your point is the whole, the whole crux of it. Yeah. But I suppose, yeah, I, I found there was something lacking there at the end where, you know, you have all the women up on stage, and I, and I, and especially feels, yeah, and it feels like the journey they've been on means so much to them, and I see that, and I wish it meant as much to me. Mainly because, like, I don't, I don't fully understand like how well or how much she knew almost anyone outside of the members of her band. Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, like the performance, like it's the performances convey something. That feels lived in, but I don't know that we've lived in it. Right? Yeah, part as of much. me is like, how the fuck long did she know the the Acre Girls? Like, 
Sure. Right. You know? And then, um, but, you know, her whole thing with Zelda. I love the albums and the album art at the end of the movie, over the credits. thought that oh, was I very cool. That. Yeah, Brian was like, I'm done. No, no, no. It's like people were like, oh, man, like, wasn't it so great when there was no uh, end credits at Avengers Endgame? And I was like, man, fucking I saw the second that it said, like, the Russo brothers. I was like, I'm out. Got up, stormed right. out of that theater. Yeah. Yeah, this, I don't think people had read about it, and it was wonderful. I got out of there. Oh, God. That was great. <laughs> I liked that movie, and that was still great. <laughs> Just being able to get up and leave. Yeah, it was It was a packed fucking theater on an afternoon. Not having to watch uh, like the entire like census rolls of a small Eastern European country <laughs> roll by. That I've ever, I don't know that I've ever stayed for one of those. Oh, I have stayed Dan, for I'm so jealous of you. all of them. Well, because what I, what, I always, what I always do is when those movies end, I have the thought that everybody has where I go, oh, there's going to be a thing. But then I'm like, well, but it's I'll see it. Right. I mean, <laughs> like I'll see it on a on a, you know, in a week or I don't you know, whatever, you know, like whenever sure. it's available. And so I go, well, and then and here's the other part of it. Those scenes happen, and I need to read what they mean anyway. So, you know, like seeing it, I'm like, well, why am I going to wait? You know, I mean, what am I doing? What are we doing here? I had um, that issue. I went and saw, what was it? I think I saw Avengers or something, and afterwards I was like, I don't know who the fuck that purple guy was. Right. I think Remember a lot back of when no one knew who Thanos was? Knew who that was? Yeah, we're like, who is that guy? Yeah. I had to, I had to, I like immediately texted my friend Dan, who's, who's a Marvel nerd, and I say that affectionately. I was like, dude, what the fuck was up with that? Or no, I couldn't even do that because I was at a press screening. And so I had to wait days. And I was like, hey, man, who is that guy? And he's like, that's Thanos. And I was like, okay. And he's like, he courts death. And I was like, all right. And he gave me like the whole rundown of Thanos. And then Thanos doesn't even end up trying to bone death. So like, why? Like, yeah, that is the best part of the Infinity Gauntlet, uh, you know, uh, it's comics uh, the because I ended up reading it because I was just interested in the whole the courting death is a character that he's in love with and it, it is a shame that they you know I get it I get why Feige obviously would would try to avoid it but it was just interesting that they didn't even try to uh to in, institute why did they avoid it is because they always well, they already so far they already there. treat women so poorly in those movies they can't be like this guy's trying to kill uh, half the universe release to, like, oh, just, <laughs> I mean you're getting into fantasy and then you're like going way into fantasy but I mean, that's what, what Thor was for like, yeah I see yeah, you're right one thing just talking about uh, endings like you know buttons to movies my favorite button to a movie probably ever is in the masterpiece Men in Black. If we remember, at the end of that movie, we pan out of the globe and then we pan out of the universe and then we pan out of that. And then there are these like godhead creatures playing marbles with all the different universes and then they put it into a bag. Best. Best. (laughs) Love. You go YouTube it if you haven't seen it, but you probably have because it's Men in Black. Or just remind yourself how dope the ending of that movie is. That's such a great ending. Men in Black, that movie is under impo- somehow underrated in how well done it is. Even I think when, it's like, because the, so- the second one in the I, I kind of enjoyed the third one, but the second one definitely sucked. Yeah, yeah. I just that first one is so perfectly like for summer entertainment, right? Like, oh it's, my god, it's yeah. Geez. 
And that's not a dig. It's I'm just saying, like, when you talk about what you're trying to achieve, right? Like, they just hit every. It's a fine cheese. Mm. It's a Manchego and a Camembert. All right, should we wrap up our podcast um, on being black? Uh, we think? should. I just want to say that the speaking of the WB as we were earlier, as they have become like the DC channel, they used to have really good cartoons based on like decently successful 90s movies. Like they had the Godzilla cartoon. They had the Men in Black cartoon. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. It was good stuff. That so was when done? July 4th was Will Smith. That was, that, was, that was his holiday, July 4th. Yeah. And then Wild Wild West came along and ruined it. Ugh, now he's going to be a goddamn genie. Yeah. And a Gemini man. And a spy in disguise. I, big, okay, big, but two of those movies I'm looking forward to. Will Smith. Yeah, no, me too. Can't wait to see him as a spy that's in disguise. Or a man you know, who has been Gemini. Gemini man, you have to deal with the frame rate problem, though. You know that. Uh, I'm worried about that. I am... Um, yeah again that was part of my issue with the hobbit movie and um i love that ang lee's answer was to like triple it yeah i mean i respect the brazenness of it you know i do respect ang lee just being like i'm gonna let's double down you know billy billy Lyndon fully work let's uh let's you know like you said let's triple it triple it instead yeah yeah so we'll see it's gonna be fun uh any final thoughts on her smell no Cool. Great. I I think, yeah, I don't know. I think see it. That's what I think. I think, you know, like, fuck. (laughs) I think see it. Yes, Brian, do it. I don't want to say see it because I fucking hated it. But like, you know, if I ate something with TVP in it, you know, I'm going to throw up later. But like someone else might dig it. So. Lick your throw up in it? (laughs) Yes, clearly. (laughs) That would be the uh, uh, like analogous equivalent of if you came and watched me watch this movie. Anyway. Nasty. It's over. Um, that's it. This movie is places. Yes. Is it It'll a- be on VOD tomorrow. Oh, that's right. Fr- it will Friday, be. Friday, May 10th. If you're right. listening, you can rent it and watch it. Yeah. Unless I somehow get this out like immediately, which I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, so that's it. Her smell out on VOD Friday the 9th? No, 10th. 10th. Yeah. 10th. Um, join us next time when we'll be talking about Detective Pikachu. In between now and then, uh, of course, you can follow us on this, uh, Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Go to patreon.com slash The Film Stage Show and give us your money. Also, don't forget to go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day subscription to a movie where you can check out Tape, a fantastic movie that I'm going to watch so that I can say more specifically why I think it's fantastic. Just to yes. shove it in Michael's face. There's Great also movie. a funeral parade of roses, which is, you know what? I'm going to use the word masterpiece. It's Whoa, a masterpiece. M word, just like Men in Black, masterpiece. Love it. Just like Widows. Just like Widows, Chicago politics. Awesome. Yeah. Just like Colin Farrell's accent in Widows. <laughs> A masterpiece. Anyway, that's MUBI.com slash film stage. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, next time, Detective Pikachu. Between now and then, let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found online. Start off with you, our esteemed guest, DJ yep. Mecca. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, I do love it though. You can find me at DJ Mecca <laughs> on Twitter, and um, keep listening to the B Side podcast. We have one coming up next week in honor of the loss of John Singleton. He'll be our first director. We talk about. We're going to talk about his lesser seen movies but um but they're mostly great so uh he was really good at what he did and he will be missed and Fucking so four brothers it'll man be, four brothers will come up though that was a pretty that successful a, yeah. one yeah yeah well wh- when's that coming out dan it'll probably come out i would just guess give me like a general next this time next week so you know okay. uh, is rosewood gonna be one of those definitely i love rosewood rosewood um i think the i think it'll be rosewood baby boy and most likely poetic justice okay. uh, which are all movies that are very interesting very good yeah he was truly one of the greats and um it's a shame that he is no longer with us uh Four so look for that made 74 million dollars domestic Yes, it did. And I shared on our Slack, which you can join if you join Patreon, with one of the greatest clips in the history of Mark Wahlberg's career where he goes into the middle of a high school basketball game. And he takes the ball from the ref and he starts like pantomiming in front of all these dudes who are ready to kick his ass. And then he pulls a gun on them. And it's meant to be funny. And I that movie is – there's a lot of that. And I think that movie's underrated and it's a remake of a john wayne movie uh sons of katie elder which is an also kind of a good movie um though i think four <laughs> brothers is uh, an improvement anyway singleton b-sides it'll be out next week and at dj mecca for twitter is where i, feel I am. like i feel like we got to start like building up our um lesser known early 2000s action flick catchphrases that we want to throw out every now and then so I'm, in, them, I'm into it. One of them definitely has to be, I got the rock now. <laughs> I got the rock now. Oh, yeah. I got the best, the best scene. And anyway. then uh, the other one's got to be $100 million. Oh, SWAT. Which oh, I had to so make, many B-sides. Speaking of the slack, which I had to make a gif of so that I could throw it down in a conversation about box office. Mm. <laughs> it took way too long to do that. Anyway. <laughs> Michael Snydell, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Snydell and on Letterboxd, where I'm still writing daily. Uh, I'll have some, I'll have a couple Alex Ross Perry thoughts going up, including Listen Up, Philip, which I'm trying to edit down into something that's not me just screaming. <laughs> I um, I learned that so many people from my conversation with uh, David Jen at the Slash Film cast. Um, found my letterbox and we're like this doesn't sound like a very professional review and i'm like it's fucking letterbox <laughs> it's not a professional review it's literally i just write the first thing i think when i step out of a movie um Didn't you say like fuck this movie and everyone who likes it no that was on twitter oh okay. All right. <laughs> which i have later apologized for <laughs> on letterbox i just called it a poisonous film and that i prayed oh. that no one who felt moved by it ever experienced any real loss um <laughs> Oh yeah, that's all you said. That's right. That's I all you said. I was going through some stuff. <laughs> anyway, you can find me and all my hot take tweets at Brian J. Rowan. Uh, the Letterboxd, Instagram, also at Brian J. Rowan. And of course, you can find my writing and all these episodes of this podcast and the B-side at uh, thefilmstage.com. 
So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. And uh, we will see you next time when we talk about that delightful little scamp, Detective Pikachu. Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs>